Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to episode 121 of the BRP, Brighton Rock Podcast. Um, an extra one for this week again, where we are back in the company of Peter Marsh and myself, Russell Guyver. And um, we've got the sharpshooter himself with us as well. Uh, making his debut, it's Ken Sharp. Uh, who we know through Seagulls Over London. Other people may or may not know through other means. Welcome to the show, Ken. How are you? Thanks, Russell. I'm great. Thank you. And and thank you, you for feeling, inviting me. Are you feeling up for this then, for this for this podcast and for the weekends ahead? Yeah, I'm up for anything these days when, when you don't <laughs> have a lot to think about. <laughs> Excellent. Good, good. Well, uh, you're very welcome on the show. Glad to have you with us. We've We've... Obviously, amongst ourselves, we've had uh, plenty of conversations, mainly via Zoom, in the form of the Seagulls Over London post-match Zoom chats on what we call the Seagulls Tavern, uh, chewing the fat over what well hasn't been a very good season overall uh, results-wise, has it? But um, we're getting quite familiar with seeing each other in little computer boxes on screens, aren't we? Yes, it's really good to do that. And I think it's kept us social, uh, yeah. social... Yeah. socialising and it's it's kept us up to date and it's kept us learning about and meeting new people and putting names faces to names which is great absolutely and we'll get into the current state with the Albion later on but in terms of general analysis after games do you find it quite cathartic as well to, to get things off your chest um, that evening or the evening after as we as we sometimes do it sometimes I'm fairly quiet as you know um but uh, I do enjoy hearing other people's views about it. Um, yeah. I, I'm not that analytical about the actual game itself, and I, I can't really remember a lot of the detail once I've seen it, like hmm. you younger guys can. So, um, but I do enjoy hearing the, hearing the views and, uh, and listening rather than speaking. Hmm. 
yeah absolutely which is which is fine as well yeah and um either way around it's just great to have your magnificent wallpaper in the background <laughs> you you and andy bravery have a wallpaper off every time you're both on <laughs> I can't well, i'm just thinking which of like changing it so i'll have to think about what to change it to <laughs> <laughs> brilliant well let us know yeah we'll, we'll, we'll look forward to seeing it in due course um so what we'll do in part two we'll talk about um how things are for the Albion at the moment, uh, preview of the Saints game and some other football news. Part one, though, it's going to be over to you, Ken, to talk about your Albion backstory when you got into it. Um, we were talking off air that you've, you, it goes in phases for you, actually, as sort of three key areas to, to talk about. So we'll talk about that. And also, you sent me a picture of what you've been up to today in preparation <laughs> for this, which which is fantastic. Loads of, loads of prep's gone in. So... Talk us through it from the off. When did you first get into it and how? Yeah, thanks, Russell. Well, I've been uh, supporting the Albion for 60 years. And I suppose it goes in three phases. The first phase was the first 10 years when I was living in Sussex. And then there's a whole period of 40 years when I kept closely in touch with the Albion, but have been in other parts of the country. Um, and the last 10 years... Uh, the Amex years, you might say, I've really enjoyed getting back to visiting the Amex, uh, being a season ticket holder, and being able to take a lot more interest now that I'm not working at least full time. Hmm. So those are the three sort of, of phases that I've been in. So I, uh, I, I got into supporting the Albion, from an invitation from uh, Seagulls Over London chairman, Roger Bevan, oh, yeah. in 1960. We used to travel on the same train to school in Lewis from north, northern parts of Sussex. And uh, he said to me one day, um, why don't you come to the Goldstone? So I said, yeah, might as well. I'll do that. Uh, so he and a friend of his uh, and I, I met them there. And um, I really enjoyed it. It was um, not a bad, it, I suppose it wasn't a bad season, 60-61. Uh, um, uh, there were some highlights. And uh, I suppose the main highlight was uh, a draw with Burnley, who were then champions in the Cup, 3-0. And I'll come back to that in a minute. But we used to go down to the East Terrace on Goldstone Lane, all open, of course, so you get very, very wet from time to time. <laughs> and um, if there was a big crowd, you'd also get taken off your feet as you went over the back of the terrace to, to the exits. So they were sort of my memories, really. Um, I mean, funny enough, I was just reading something today and uh, it was uh, uh, written in 6061 for the um, supporters' handbook when somebody had written that in respect to the previous season, an away team at the Goldstone had a 40% chance of getting a point at the Goldstone. Now, right. wouldn't we like that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wouldn't we like it if it was 
I mean, to be right fair, now, forty percent chance of getting a point these days as well. It's just they've also got fifty percent chance of getting three points. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was that yeah. being unkind? Yeah. Well, I don't know, but it had been it had been a bit difficult season the previous season to the season I went. Uh, we were in it was in Division Two, and we were in the possible strong, strong possibility of going down to Division Three, but we. Didn't lose, we only lost one of the last eight games. So there's another pointer for this season, please. Can we only lose one of the last eight games? That would be nice. <laughs> yeah. But that highlight I was telling you about was a 3-3 draw with Burnley, as I say, then champions. And there were 28,000 people in the Goldstone uh, for that match. And... Uh, it was an exciting match. Um, and I remember a fantastic goal. I can't remember exactly who it was. I think it's either somebody called McNichol or Bertolini, who were uh, uh, not forwards by any chance, um, scoring a 30-yard screamer from the right, from the right channel. Right. And, um, of course, not everything lasts because we lost 2-0 on the replay. At Burnley, but that was one of my first highlights at the Goldstone. Brilliant! And these, this uh, is so this, yeah, sixties. This through the sixties, isn't it? And well, um, this was the, the very early sixties, Russell. Yeah, sixty, hmm. sixty-one. Yeah, yeah. So I noticed Adrian Thorne seems to be top yeah. scorer according oh, yeah. to the record books. Yeah, uh, he was fourteen goals that season. Yeah, he was a great. He was a great player. Hmm. Um, and I got hooked. After that, so used to meet uh, Roger every game there, and we used to meet more there than we did at school because he was a different year to me. Um, oh, okay, okay. So uh, I was really pleased that uh, that he'd asked. Um, it went downhill after I started supporting them <laughs> from Division Two. Um, in the next season, sixty-one two, we went down to Division 3 and then went straight through the trap door to Division 4 and I can tell you it wasn't much fun watching the football then there was no technical stuff that there is in today's Divisions 3 and 4 it was pretty rough stuff Um, and the crowds went down to about 7,000 so it, it, it wasn't good um, but 64, 65 was quite a year. Um, yeah. I started work in 64, 5 um, for something I continued doing for the next 52 years. So it was quite an important start um, for me personally. But Bobby Smith joined us in 64, 5. 220 goals for Spurs. Can't remember how many he got for for England, but that was a real coup for a fourth division team, and that was that that really got it exciting. He got sixteen goals that season. He wasn't the top scorer. Wouldn't we like somebody to get sixteen goals who's not the top scorer, <laughs> um, or even who is? <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And the crowds went up, and um, 
Albion uh, went up as well that season. There really is uh, the signing in modern day football that quite like Bobby Smith signing for Albion in the bottom division. I mean, it's you know, it's you get like championship teams signing decent players of that sort of maybe kind of after they drop out of Premier League, but you don't get you don't get you know League Two teams as they are now signing a tier player like that. No, like he was past it, was he? He just went straight from Spurs to us, didn't he? Or... That's right. No, oh, he did. He did. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, yeah. And um, and uh, the last match, I can't remember who the last match was against now. But the last match, we had 31,500 in the Goldstone. And they were great times when the Goldstone was packed. Yeah. So for me, it was exciting that year. I also won the cash jackpot one game that year. And I was really thankful to Bobby Smith because the crowds had gone up. So the jackpot was a lot higher than it would normally have been. <laughs> and I won £83. Now, remember, it's 1964. I just started work and I was earning £9 a week. Wow. So I just started work. So it enabled me to kick myself out with some decent clothes. So that was... Um, a star highlight in that year uh, as well for me. Bear in mind that the railway um, journey from Lewis to Hove was three shillings, which was, what, 15p, is it? Um, And you could get a... I looked it up. You could get a gallon of petrol, a gallon of petrol, not a litre, for four shillings. So it's a hefty amount. That's pretty good going. Fantastic. What a year. <laughs> it was a year. It was a year. Um, 64, and, 65. Yeah. And I've got, I've got the, um, I'm, I'm showing you now, I've, I've got the uh, Argus supplement for that year, which was oh, John, John Vinicom saying yeah. we've got a tremendous opportunity now. Make no mistake, there's a tremendous future for the Albion. Little did he know, we had to go through some tough times before we got to the great future that we're in now. Yeah, how many times yeah. has that been said, Albion have got a great future? Nothing's <laughs> 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 come up more. <laughs> yeah. Well, we don't have can to say it now. Yeah, you can always say it, can't you? The future's the future. It's endless. Um, yeah. And, yeah. Unless there's an Armageddon. In a thousand years' time, we might be yeah, champions or something. Yeah, yeah. So, so that was that was the sixties, really, which was um, exciting times because I was young and enjoying enjoying the football, enjoying work, and um, and, and that was it, really. I mean, the only other real thing I remember in the sixties was the cup match with Chelsea in sixty-seven, I think it was, hmm. when we held them to a draw, and then went back to their place at Stamford Bridge. Um, 31,000, I think. No, 35,000 is reported at the uh, Amex for that match. Sorry, at the The Amex, the Goldstone (laughs) for that match. Yeah, Yeah, it'd be a bit difficult in the Amex, wouldn't it? It was probably very, it was very difficult for that match. But there were 50, 50, um, 55,000 back at Stamford Bridge. 
Yeah, those are hefty crowds. And uh, we were saying off air um, uh, at an earlier point, um, 35,000 in the Goldstone. I mean, I can never remember a time where that seems like a feasible amount. It, I mean, I know the record is around that figure anyway, isn't it? The official recorded figure versus yeah. Fulham, I think, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but how they got that number in. I can't I mean, believe it. I cannot yeah. believe there were that many in. Crowd I was ever in was about eighteen thousand, but for a lot of the time I was watching the East Stand was shut anyway. While I was oh, was it? So yeah. it, was like, it was limited to like ten or eleven, even for you know. Oh, right. It was only about eleven thousand at most. Right. Was, well, Albion had a very cunning way of getting people to that match, and also getting people to the reserve match the previous week because you could only buy a ticket if you went to the reserve match the previous <laughs> week against Notts County. And there were 22,000 people at that reserve match at the Goldstone. That's probably um, a record, isn't it? <laughs> it? It must be some sort of record. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's amazing. Well, unless anyone yeah. else has done the same tactic with a bigger fan base, but um, that's yeah. 22,000 at a reserve game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Yeah. Yeah. So Barcelona that was the sixth, won't be able to that was the first phase of my Albion's supporting, really. Hmm. Yeah, and an interesting time. And um, they, that 64-65 season, they'd won the first... Uh, they finished top, didn't they? Looking Wally Gould seems to be the top Wally scorer. Wally Gould was the top scorer. Yeah. 21 goals, yeah. Yeah, and 19 then, um, in the league he got, yeah. Yeah, and then those seasons afterwards, I know you said you went away with work and things, but um, I think we had quite a few seasons in Division 3, so you probably... Yeah, that mid mid sixty season getting um getting the title probably was a good one to to have, wasn't it, in that period? Really good. I amongst... think it Yeah, I think it was. Um I mean I remember I think we got promoted in seventy one two. Yeah, that's in, right. in division three. I think we were runners up to, to Villa. Hmm. And I was living in Nottingham at that time. So I did manage to see a few matches. Um, up in Rochdale and Barnsley and not Notts County as as well at that time. So it, it, it gave me a little oasis at, at yeah. that time of being able to, to take part and enjoy the success. Hmm. Excellent. And so so you were away obviously getting to certain games here and there, um, no doubt through the years, but um, when did you get into your second phase of, um, and what was that? Well, that was in the second phase by by um, from I suppose 1970 onwards. Oh, I see. Was the I second see. phase. Yeah. I moved to Nottingham in 1970. Hmm. So um, for the for that 40 years, I then got so involved with family. I was an, alco- an alcoholic. I was a workaholic. <laughs> Certainly not an alcoholic. I might be an alcoholic today, but I wasn't then. Um, <laughs> Uh, so, uh, you know, it was radio. If if ever I managed to uh, hear anything, it was mainly mainly radio. Apart from the seventy one two season, and um, I remember I did get down to the Goldstone for the first Division One match in seventy. Was it seventy eight or seventy nine? Um, when we lost four 0 to to Arsenal in the first match. Uh, yeah, um, seventy nine. That would be wouldn't it? Seventy nine, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, and the next thing I remember, really, I don't remember a lot, but I remember, obviously, the cup final in 83. And I remember that for two reasons. Firstly, we got there and wasn't that great. But also, I moved house on that day. 
So I moved into my house. We had carpets down and I had a television. And that was it. And I wasn't going to do anything <laughs> until after that. So I watched the, the, um, the, the, that cup final. Um, and it got to about the and Smith must score moment. And there was a shriek from my 18-month-old son, my younger son, who was hanging from his neck over the balcony from our upstairs landing to the lower one <laughs> through, the, through the bars, the, the horizontal bars. He managed to crawl backwards, missed the stairs, and was hanging by his neck. So I remember it for that day as well. <laughs> he was okay. He was okay. <laughs> Well, well, we had Margaret and Hannah on a couple of weeks ago, the mother and daughter who um, also Seagulls Over London members, who you know, and um, mm. and I understand you heard that pod as well. I did indeed. Very good, stories. very good pod that was. Yeah, because she, she's um, Hannah is, was born that week, that weekend. But I think your story might have outdone it actually. <laughs> if you've got a child hanging by its neck from a banister, um, you're, you're sitting in a sparse room with just the TV watching the game. Yeah. Um, and I, I was I was in a rather more conventional home setting watching it on TV. And I, I think my my version of events is pretty boring by comparison to yours. Um, wow, you, you certainly pick your moments there, Ken. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'd love to have been there, but um, uh, it wasn't it wasn't possible. There was no way I was gonna gonna get there. Yeah, I think people can get tickets for love, love nor money, could they? I mean, no. I, I can only imagine how many fans we would have had there if everybody available and willing was was able to get there. Who knows? Yes, Who knows? that's true. I mean, I've been lucky to go to the last 13, 14 cup finals, but I could never get there then. And um, I could never afford it, let alone anything else. The last but, 13 um, or 14 Albion Cup finals, that'll be No, it. no, no. FA Cup finals. FA Cup finals. Yeah. 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 But uh, that's um, yeah, amazing story. And you, I mean, you showed me this picture. You, you've been looking through your old um, uh, memorabilia. You've got a whole load of piles of, of what really strikes me as very distinctly blue programs, mm. actually. The, the, mm. the programs are probably bluer than ever then, weren't they? I think there's a bit more of a. A range of colours. That, that's the right. They are nowadays. Yes. yes. Um, and an interesting period, I'm sure. Were there any interesting and amusing bits you could pluck out from those old programmes? Because I don't have any of my old ones to hand. <laughs> there, there are lots, but um, <laughs> I, you know, I've just been jogging my memory on on things, um, and I can't really remember. I suppose one of the things that surprised me was looking at. The Easter games. I'd forgotten mm. this, but on, in, at Easter, we go to the Goldstone on Good Friday, and then we go back on Easter Saturday <laughs> for another match. Now, can you imagine Hare Klopp accepting <laughs> that? Exactly. Yeah, everyone's spitting feathers over uh, over having this two a week all season business, aren't they? That's um, right. But the yeah, but the but the, but the the season I looked at was, was I, I can't remember exactly when, 63, I think it was, maybe. Um, Good Friday, we lost 5-0 to Northampton at home and then had to go back on the Saturday to lose 1-0 against Bournemouth. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Oh, joy. Well, they I say mean, getting about, another game in quickly is good, but only yeah, if you don't get a, yeah. a good result again. <laughs> Yeah, but it's the, about 6,000 people couldn't stomach 
going back. So the yeah. crowd went down by that much between yeah. Good Friday and Easter Saturday. Don't blame them. And yeah, I mean, that, that's often forgotten, isn't it? These back-to-back games, one one day after the other. I mean, I'm in Sunday league circuit, of which I've been a part, as a manager, there's sometimes, if it's necessary, you do back-to-back games um, on the same day, but that's usually two 60-minute games. So it's the equivalent of a game plus extra time, isn't it? But yeah. um, but but that's at Sunday league level. Doing it at professional level on consecutive days, um, yeah. I mean, it's, it, no, no wonder people had to struggle. But you'd still only have one substitute, if at all. Um, that's true. The era. Yeah, and that's true. You'd rarely see the change uh, rotation of squad as well, because yeah. it just wasn't very big squads, was there? I guess. Yeah. And then you travel on the Sunday for the Monday match, so a Friday, Saturday, and Monday. Yeah, and they had games on Christmas Day, didn't they, back then as well? I well, think, I can't that remember that, to be honest. Was I that... think that was before my time. Uh, okay. Mm. Yeah. yeah, Boxing Day, but as, as now. But um, no, I don't remember. I think that must have been in the 50s. I really I really don't remember. Well, yeah. I don't remember, no. And we were, we were talking off-air about prices and things like that. I mean, you've obviously mentioned the, the winnings and how much the train fare mm. was in that, in that mm. era. Um it's difficult to remember, isn't it, sometimes in terms of how much it was to get in through the gate and things like that. But you've got your programme uh, yeah. prices. How much were the programmes then? The programmes were four old pence. Yeah. So that's, what, one and a half new pence? <laughs> mind you, <laughs> slightly more mind you it was only a few pages. Hmm. But, I mean, yeah. the, the, the programmes today are, this, this last few years' programmes at the Albion have been fantastic. Um, and the club should take a great deal of pride out of those, as well as the um, uh, as well as the um, uh, competitions they've won through it. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. They've they've been fantastic, haven't they? The programmes are really. I've been getting yeah. them during the lockdown period. A to support the club, but B just because I think they're they're decent collectible items, and um, I think really good quality, lots of depth. Of, of detail spencer our friend spencer friend of the show um compiles mm-hmm. the nostalgia section in there which i think is particularly good and it is a great program back in my earlier days the, the really the early 80s first half of the 80s they seem to be again fairly thin and there's tons and tons of adverts and all sorts of stuff in in there that it wasn't a great deal of of meat on the bone so to speak um and it sounds like it was the same in that slightly early, earlier period as well, through the yes. 60s and 70s. Yeah. Um, yeah. Are there any amusing bits in particular you've spotted going through your stuff over, the, over today, this morning and this afternoon? No, no, I, no I, can't, I can't recall. I mean, I, you, yeah. there's so much in them. Yeah. That, but um, I can't recall anything in particular. I mean, I've got one story from that era <clears throat> that... Uh, when I was living, I was, I've been living in Billericay for the last uh, 40 years. Um, and I was made redundant in 1995. Hmm. And uh, anyway, I took, I had a bit of spare time. So I did something that I'd always wanted to do. I learned to drive a coach. Right. And so for, for, Three or four years, I, I spent weekends and the like driving um, because I just enjoyed it. And uh, I got a job once, um, say to me, look, 
I've got a group from South End that want to go to Gillingham. And I said, oh, yeah. And they said, yeah, they're football fans. I said, oh, right. And uh, it happened to be the weekend when they were playing Brighton, obviously, at Gillingham. (laughs) And uh, so that was quite an interesting day because there I was with 40-odd South End fans going to the match. And uh, I got ribbed no end from doing that. I also got to see 80 minutes of the match by just talking to the gate man, really, and letting me in. Which you well, although probably wouldn't. Those days, you're probably better off not seeing it at all, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. So that was um, that was uh, quite an interesting, uh, interesting time. Yeah, out of interest, what was the result in that game? Do you remember? I have no idea. I can't even remember who was playing. Yeah, I was going to say you probably would want to keep your affiliation quiet until the return journey, and only if we've won, I think. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can't remember. Uh, I do remember getting ripped, so we probably lost. We didn't win many actually, did we? Especially the first no. season. We were about three all season there, didn't we? Mm, mm. Yeah, we probably lost. Yeah. So does that bring us pretty much to the, your third phase then? It does, the, Russell. The story. Yeah, hmm. the Amex so tell years. Tell us about that. The Amex yeah. years. Um, I suppose the 10-year period has been the best years, really, with Albion. Uh, and I've been lucky that I've been free to be able to go and watch um, mm. most of the time. So I'm really, really fortunate in that respect that um, I've seen, well, going into the Amex is a fantastic experience, isn't it? Mm, and... Nice when it's full and, and particularly if we're doing well, it, it, it's, it, it's really enjoyable. And I, and I love going, hmm. even oh, traveling down from here. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love going. And what's your usual, um, your usual match day routine? Do you, do you drive down from where you well, are? Well, I do drive down. Yes. Hmm. Um, I drive down, try and get there early. It's not, it's not a bad drive at all. Um, I meet my elder son, Neil, normally, um, and uh, he lives in Hastings. Uh, yeah. So it's a great opportunity to catch up. Um, we I normally park at the bridge car park, which is okay for getting into. <laughs> and then you're stuck. But there you go. You say into, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, we we go to the West Stand Upper, have a pie and a cup of tea, because I'm driving, and um, uh, usually spend a, a leisurely time having another cup of tea before we leave. Yeah, and then and I might down. I might drive back home, or I might drive to Hastings to stay with him overnight. Um, so it's it's it's. It's my game day. I don't meet lots of people in the pub, but I do get to see family and uh, obviously mix with a lot of people in the in the grounds. And uh, yeah. that's great. Excellent. And what a magnificent ground it is too. And, um, I, actually, by the way, West Upper is where I am, so I didn't realise you are in the same area. I'll um, have to look out for you and you'll be looking oh, to yes. avoid yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, not yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a good, it's a good location, yeah. isn't it? To watch the game, to read what's going on on the pitch, 
Um, I mean, it's the TV oh, view, basically, isn't it? Effectively, um, in that location. Um, yeah. I don't know if you're central or not. I'm not, yeah. but um, but it's it's a good area. It's a good area. We're and, we're sort of not 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 entirely central, but um, halfway between the centre and the goal line. So it, it's fine. Hmm. It, it, it's fine, and we've moved down the stand a little bit so that there's less steps to climb. But um, it, it, it's a it's a good location. Anywhere in the Amex is pretty good, really. But um, there's not really it, a bad it, view, I don't think, is there? No, no, no. Yeah, and you you've had the season ticket at the Amex from the off, have you? No, we've had the season ticket for about five years because I was working the first five years, so I wasn't able to get down every match. Yeah, especially um, the evening games is killer. Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, one or one or other of my sons would would come with me every so often, quite regularly, but not. Not every match. Um, evenings is more difficult, you know. It depends. Um, getting home sometimes between up to one o'clock sometimes if you can't get out of the bridge very quickly. Um, mm. But but it, it it's good. I I hate the changes from the weekends to Monday night or Friday night, as most fans I think do really. Um, but we have to put up with it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's one of the uh, the pitfalls of the modern game, particularly in the Premier League, which we obviously will be hoping to stay in. Um, the paradox is, even if we don't, we're going to have tons of um, midweek games again anyway. If we did go down, so one way or the other, we're going to have a load of hassle, aren't we, with uh, with things? Once we're able to moan about that again, um, which of course we're in strange times at the moment still, um, coming towards the end of it, hopefully. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens when things go back to normal, how fans are going to be on the uptake for the opportunity to get back in. Are you looking forward to it? I mean, you're obviously, there's going to be reticence in terms of COVID till everyone's got the vaccine. But the No, that... I, th- I think once I've had both my vaccines, um, I think you have to accept that there's always a risk, but you've got to live. So once I've had the vaccines, I've done all I can. Hmm. Um, still take precautions, of course. But I am looking back, getting, looking forward to getting back to the Amex. I'm a little bit anxious because I go with um, one of my sons and I'm not sure that's still going to be possible because whilst I buy two season tickets, mm. the other son, the other ticket is in my other son's name. So uh, okay. I'm yeah. just a bit hesitant as to what's going to happen. Mm. Um, but uh, as long as he can come, I will be back there straight away, really. Excellent. And in terms of, as you said, we've, we've been there 10 years now. This is coming to the end of the 10th year, isn't it? Yes. Um, what, what if you, what, apart from that, I mean, there's one or two obvious highlights of promotion mm. season in general, mm. but what have been your individual highlights from those 10 years? I mean, for me, I think it was having my first chicken balti pie, uh, <laughs> probably one of them. <laughs> um, I mean, there's, there's, there's lots of things on and off the uh, the pitch, um, which have been great, meeting a whole load of new friends, um, getting to know the people around where I am in this season ticket area, um, bumping into old friends as well. Um, but what, what, what have your highlights been overall, Ken, would you say? Uh, I suppose highlights have been when I've been able to get extra tickets and take both sons and a friend, and we've been able yeah. to go together. That's been really good. In terms of matches, I mean, ignoring the Wigan match, which obviously was an absolute yeah. highlight, yeah. Um, the Sheffield Wednesday playoff was probably my highlight. 
Oh, that well, was we lost. amazing, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, I know, it's bizarre, that, isn't it? <laughs> that, that game was something. And um, the crowd were the best I've ever heard, I think, at yeah. the Amex. Maybe the Wigan match and the promotion match there is. But the Sheffield Wednesday match, in terms of our play and the crowd, um, that that was a highlight. Um, I think how you associate certain games, even though even if you didn't win, with being a highlight. Mm. I, the same, I agree completely with that Wednesday game, and also the first season there. So I don't know if you were at that game, but we're home to Burnley when we were down to nine men after like eight minutes, mm. and the crowd just were completely supported the team and went. The team played really well, and it was only like a a really good goal that won it for them. And we missed some good chances as well and played brilliantly with nine men for, yeah, pretty much 80 minutes. Right. So a lot of yeah, injustice I wasn't, I wasn't well. that yeah. yeah, the injustice, I think, fired yeah. them on. We had the great escape. Um, became a theme tune of sorts, didn't it, for the crowd? Um, yeah. Enhances popularity, generally. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? You, we mentioned Burnley and Sheffield Wednesday. They're two games where we've got... Uh, well, um, one was a playoff, so it's not points involved, but we've got one point in one game and, and lost the playoff. <laughs> um, and yet we had, I came away straight, that Burnley game, I came away strangely invigorated by the whole thing, knowing yeah. that we'd really got behind them. We'd been ripped off in terms of, they should have had at least one more, one of their players sent off as well. And I think one of ours was contentious. Um, and the fact that we just played well enough to have deserved something if not everything from the game and you come away when you've played well I think that can be a, a real spark for you um, so it came away in a, in a good mood from that game which is so bizarre for a match we'd lost <laughs> yeah there uh, we go yeah, yeah. I've been trying to think of the other ones I mean I don't know if you went to it Ken but the first game the Doncaster match of course was a, oh, I did. Was a huge, I did. huge one yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean that was yeah. great were you where did you with, go with the late goal with the late goal yeah, yeah with Buckley, late Buckley one, yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry, where was I? Yeah, where, where did you go for that one? Because strangely, although I had a West Upper season ticket, I actually, um, my wife came to the game. She was in my seat and I was in the East Lower of, uh, with a friend of mine, Nick, who's from Manchester, who's been on the podcast. Hello right. to Nick, if you're listening. <laughs> um, yeah, we were in the East Lower, um, which was um, actually a really good experience because you got to see the the majesty and size of the West Upper, uh, of the West Stand, sorry, on the opposite yes. side for that grand yes. occasion as well. So I, I was actually quite pleased in a way. I was in an unconventional location for me um, for that game and you really could absorb the atmosphere. But where, whereabouts were you for that one? I was in the West Stand. I think probably the West Stand lower for that match. Yeah. Um, but I, I understand what you're saying about the East Stand because I was in that for the Sheffield Wednesday game. Ah, yeah. Because the cup games, you have to... You can't always get your... Well, I didn't have a season ticket, so uh, I was there. And, um, yeah, I thought that was... Uh, I thought the East Stand, I quite like it. Hmm. Um, yeah, I've not been in the East Upper, but I think I've been in every other part of the ground now in terms of general sections. Mm, um, yeah. I went East Upper for one of the cup games we had in, that, in the, the runs of semi-finals. I think it was Derby home we played. We went up there. Yeah. East Upper. I reckon that's probably one of the best places to be, isn't it? Because you've got relative elevation to, to read the game, not too high for those that don't like that. And you've got the big stand opposite to look at as well. Yes. And you probably yes. get the best of the atmosphere, I think, there as well. From the, and We were up by the away end as well, so we were actually got, it was pretty good atmosphere up, up our end. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's, yeah, so that, that's, that's great. So some, some really good moments. And um, any other games? I mean, the Palace match, I suppose, the 3-1... That was pretty good as well. 
yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, the 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 um the win. You mean? Yeah, the, the, the yeah. oh yeah, no, yeah. not the three one defeat. <laughs> yeah, that, definitely didn't enjoy that one. No, 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 no. Uh, that was that was amazing. That was um, when um, what's his name came on and scored straight away, didn't he? Uh, Bal- yes. Bal- was it Baldwin? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, that was to... that was a fantastic night. That was. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say um, Baldwin. Of course, is just um, would have been celebrating. Um, Winning the Scottish title, Stevie Gerrard's Rangers, yeah. along with, of course, um, Connor. Connor Goldson as well. Yeah. He's really come up and done well. He was always a good player for us. I think he, he, in another way, he could have made his way with us, but um, the timing was right for him to move on. And he's, he's done really well for himself, actually, up there, isn't he? And he was just um, unfortunate that we had two exceptional central defenders who never really yeah. got into that first two seasons. Yeah. Under, under Hewton. And yeah, but, yeah, in that yeah. Sense, and I'm really, really pleased good. for him this week yeah. because of all that he's gone through. Uh, and he seems to have yeah. a really good relationship with Stevie G. And um, uh, I, I was really pleased for him. Yeah, yeah, he's done well. And um, of course, it's another really good song lost to us as well when he left. <laughs> all the good songs go, don't they? <laughs> Never mind. There we go. So, yeah, I mean, that's it. Any other sort of things really from your Albion backstory then, Ken, before we break for half time? Anything else that stood out? What, you know, in terms of um, on and off the pitch, key moments? Um, no, I can't. I can't think of. Um, there are so many things, but I, my memory is not brilliant and uh, I can't recall exactly where they were but i've had there've been some there've certainly been some good times i i visiting uh man united man city um since we've been in the premier league league mm. and uh liverpool and palace actually um, yeah well, i was at the palace game when we played them off the park and came away 1-1 wasn't it um yeah i i was lucky to be hosted by wembley for that um, that game, just above the the goal um, at the not not the big stand end, but the hospitality end, oh, yes, and that yeah. was a fantastic evening to be just there, almost being able to touch the top of the goal, and um, obviously with the Albion fans on the left as I looked and making yeah. making the noise. Um, so I enjoy, I really enjoyed that match. That was that was a standout match for me. It was a pity we lost. Um, but but I did enjoy I did enjoy yeah. going there and got away unscathed. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. It, I, I suppose being in hospitality, you probably get a load of Palace fans still around there, so you, you, you can't get too overexcited, can you? I suppose not at all. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, but um, I've had some happy times at Selhurst Park as well, certainly, and through the years, um, some good games. Um, not recent ones, of course, and apart from knockouts, of course, the uh, the game where he should have got sent off and then gets the winner. That was a that was a good day out as well. Yeah. Um, anyway, probably on that note, I think we'll break for um, half time uh, tea and oranges and whatever else we're going to do. Um, in the second part, we'll talk about a little bit more about the Albion in the current times. Uh, what your thoughts are on that? How you think this season's going to shape up? And we've got a few bits of football news as well to to cover. So we'll come back in with that in just a moment. Stay tuned, guys. Welcome back to part two of Brighton Rock Podcast. 
still with me, with me, Peter Marsh, with Russell and with Ken. Welcome back, guys. Um, I think we all want to talk about the big football news of the day now. Barnett have sacked their manager again this season, I think. <laughs> we can all agree this is the biggest news of, uh, of the day. What's your thoughts what's your <laughs> on that? Definitely, of course. Yeah, absolutely. It was the one I was looking out for. Uh, teetering on the brink, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, they've, they've yeah. lost 10 of the 11 games he's been in charge. So uh, <laughs> not exactly not... A, a great record. Yeah, you can, so, I mean, sometimes sackings are a bit quick, but you have to say that's uh, pretty alarming, isn't it? They, they weren't blue, blooming under Tim Flowers. That's, uh, oh. <laughs> dear, oh dear. There were no signs they were going to, they were going to row, row, there was any chance of rose, right, I was going to say rose and rising, but that's not really what. <laughs> Did they have a budding young youth uh, yeah. policy uh, going on? Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Just, oh dear. Where the problems stem from, but. Uh... <laughs> anyway, that's well, enough, I think. Uh, Enough Barnet-based puns for today. Any any more exciting news in the world of football, Russ? Yeah, there's been a few things since we last recorded. Um, there's something went out today, actually. The Premier League are sending out a survey to all 20 of its uh, of its member clubs to gauge opinion on subjective VAR decision-making, penalties, handballs, red cards, all that sort of thing, um, just to gauge views with a view to possibly changing some of the protocol for next season. We're not really sure much more about it. Um, but this comes after Pep Guardiola criticised the system over its failure to overturn a waved away penalty claim uh, for Phil Foden during midweek, um, with Southampton, of course, um, losing 5-2 at uh, the Etihad Stadium. Um, so that's one bit of info there. We'll see what happens with that. Um, there's also been, unfortunately, yet more social media abuse going on. This time, Yannick Balassi at, w- at Borough and also Bournemouth's Arno Danjuma after he'd spoken out the other day on Sky Sports News on the subject of previous abuse he'd already received. So uh, it's pretty depressing to find that's just inspired people to to have a go even more. Um, meantime, the Met Police have, in, have ended their investigation into similar racial abuse directed at Bright Asai Samuel, who was then at QPR, now at Fenerbahce, um, citing various factors into why they couldn't prosecute the perpetrator. I'm wondering if that suggests he was maybe underage, amongst other things. Um, which is, of course, a big complication with such matters, isn't it? Because you punish the um, the, the people who've got the uh, you know the IP address. If that's the parents, how accountable can they be for what their child's doing in their own time? It's a bit of a difficult one, isn't it? And Shane Duffy, of course, Albion's own on loan at Celtic. Um, he's already received some abuse, and from what I understand, this is a separate bit of abuse um, aimed at him in regards to well threats on his life and talking about mocking his dead father and stuff like that, uh, which is pretty unsavoury. That was on Instagram. Um, Instagram have disabled the account um, after he posted, I think, a pretty critical message about their lack of action. So it's all getting messy yet again there. You've mentioned, obviously, Barnett with uh, the Saki of Flowers. And one other bit of unsavoury news, um, Emilio, well, I mean, it's kind of maybe justifiable anyway, Emiliano Sala's family have launched um, civil proceedings against 13 parties, including Cardiff City and Nantes. Of course, these are the two parties involved in his transfer at the time of his tragic death. Um, that's all getting pretty unsavoury as well. Um, there's squabbles over who owes who what, and I, I guess some of the handling of the affair has, has not gone as they would have liked. Um, uh, any thoughts on any of this stuff, guys? None of it's very cheery news, unfortunately. No, there's nothing really positive there, is there? It's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, mm. I, I feel really sorry for Shane Duffy. I mean, obviously, he, as much as 
obviously he doesn't suit you know the the current system under you know under Potter maybe to a degree he he was brilliant for us for the promotion season and then two seasons afterwards under Hewton and it contributed last season as well when he played did pretty well and yeah he obviously got what he thought was his dream moved to Celtic in the summer and then it's been a bit of a nightmare for him and he seems to become rather scapegoated by a lot of Celtic fans for whatever reason which seems a bit yeah, unnecessary. You know, it's like like Albion fans, to be fair, do the same. You know, scapegoat certain players and decide that they're they're at fault. Whatever happens, and yeah, we've had our yeah. fair share over the years. Ashley Barnes comes to mind as one who was like left the club because of some of the scapegoating he got. And yeah, Dale Stevens, more recent years maybe, as some people will be aware of. And yeah, uh, we've <laughs> as well. You know, there there Albion's full of players who's now seem to be scapegoated, and it and Duffy seems to have the same thing. And yeah, abuse like that about his dad is just unacceptable. And what yeah. these sort of people think they're doing is just, yeah, it, it should be a shame. Yeah, I don't know if this was Celtic fans um, actually doing this abuse or not, but either way around, it's, you know, it's really? very disappointing. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, yeah, you made a mild reference there to um, the aforementioned Roger Bevan, chairman of Seagulls Over London, who I think is a regular listener. Hello, Roger. Um, we, we're thinking of launching a campaign to bring Dale Stevens back because we know you <laughs> love him so much. I mean, <laughs> this Dale is a running Stevens, joke on Seagulls Over London. I'm alone with that. I think a lot of people did not, <laughs> not rate Dale Stevens. Um, yeah, true. Yeah. And um, one other bit of news, and again, this isn't very good um, news either, is that Albion have banned a season ticket holder for a period of two years after he was found this week to have posted an offensive comment to a Leicester fan during an, what I think was an exchange of opinions on Twitter. Um, I have seen it. It is, it is pretty unpleasant. Um, I won't go into the details, but, but Paul Barber has made a robust statement to re-emphasise the club's continued lack of toleration in such matters. Um, looking at what the offence was, I think probably two years is, I, I personally think is probably about right, um, because it was probably done in the heat of the moment. And it's quite a hefty punishment still, I think, for a season ticket holder. Um, but it just goes again to, to serve once again to, to show you've just got to be really careful what you say. Social media is an instant thing, particularly in the case of what I think's happened there. And you just have to be well you have to somehow regulate yourself in the heat of the moment um if you can't do that don't be on there really because it's it's it keeps happening doesn't it i mean ken i don't know if you use social media it can be a good thing for positive i don't and positive i positive. don't but i'm appalled at mm. what goes on and mm. um i'm pleased the albion are taking strong action because i really think the only way of stopping it is to come down and hard on people um, mm. I think it's it's a bit difficult when people make mistakes, um, like uh, I can't remember the footballer's name who made a mistake, a genuine mistake, recently and is now probably oh, leaving um, the country. Cavani? Yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah, Cavani. Yeah. I mean, it just seems a little bit harsh. Well, I think it's probably more than harsh in, in that respect, to be honest. Mm. But uh, I think social media you have to stand up regulate it and penalize when necessary yeah agreed yeah 100 percent as well um, i mean literally every episode we seem to be talking about a new incidence of it and it's i don't understand why people don't realize they can be caught in the situation they can be they will be found they literally have their ip address is linked to them they people can catch them and then they will be you know, and they'll be punished. And it does seem like people just think they're, you know, kind of untouchable online. They can just say what they want and get away with it. And it's, yeah, it's not mm. true. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, that, that's pretty much it news-wise. There wasn't an awful lot more to say. Um, we'll probably cover a little bit more on the EFL later in the season as it comes towards conclusion, but not much to say on there. Um, really, in terms, particularly in terms of Albion low knees, I don't think much happened. Um, Anything to say about, about the EFL is we seem to have still ruined Brentford's season, so there. Yeah, the kiss of death. Yeah, yeah. Is there anybody you don't like, Ken? We can... We can praise their good work and they'll, they'll quickly go wrong. Um, Is that what that happens? Yes. Yeah, yeah, we were thinking about Brentford were on a long unbeaten run a couple about five episodes ago or something like that. And then they, they lost about three in a row immediately after the recording. Well, could you not do something with Fulham? I think we should. Yeah, they're doing very well, Fulham. I think it's going to continue all season, Peter. I what do you think? I them losing ever again in history. No, I don't. <laughs> Newcastle the same. Yeah, they're, they're kind of doing all right. And they'll, they'll, they'll do really well. Yeah, I don't think we can get away with it in Newcastle. They're not, <laughs> they're not doing OK. No, no, exactly. Yeah, things continue to go wrong for them. Um, moving things on to Southampton, then. We've got the game coming up at the weekend. Um, first thing to mention, which we have mentioned before, is it's the first time, as we understand it, that we've ever been shown live for a league match on the BBC. We've obviously had cup matches, including the cup final, on the B before, but um, but never a league game. Um, I've, I'm on the one hand, I think that's uh, it's great, good to see. On the other hand, it really depends on how we do as to whether that's great or not. Um, there's been some pretty high-scoring games involving Southampton this year. Of course, they famously managed to lose 9-0 again for the second year in a row, which is quite extraordinary. Um, they lost 5-2 on Wednesday to Saints. Uh, as far as we know, no red cards or injuries picked up um, to cause problems for their selections at the weekend. But they have had to play the extra game. I know that didn't benefit us in regard to... Uh, Leicester, but I think Saints are a different matter. Maybe we could get some. I'm clutching at straws here, but maybe we can get some benefit from that. We um, have to beat them in the Premier League, are we? Aren't we? So yeah, we've had I think a very sizable number of really scruffy one-all draws with them through the um, through the Premier League years, haven't yeah. we? Um, the the game away from home was a two-all that we came from two down that, which I remember was that on a Monday night. I think it was a. Uh, yes, I think so. Season. We came from two down mm. and looking completely out of it to, to yeah. kind of getting back into the second half. Yeah, well, I mean, I'll come to the head-to-head in a minute, but just coming through the history of games between the two sides, um, didn't start too well. Saints beat us 5-1 in a Southern League match on the 21st of November 1903, a couple of years into our existence, our first game with them. And anyone um, who's there at that game, just please write in and tell us or email in and... <laughs> Indeed, yes. Um, I think, I suspect not. But, um, yeah, I mean, the next hefty game between the sides, um, 1908, we lost 4-1, um, also away from home. Um, we had, didn't seem to have any particularly significant wins over them uh, until 1955, where we thrashed them 5-0 in Division 3 South. That was a more pleasing scoreline. There have been some other hefty results in between. Um, but, Ken, I think you mentioned um, off-air that we had a rather hefty one that you experienced as well. We might as well go back to that. Let's get this out yeah. of the way. Yeah. October the yeah, 7th, 1961. That's it. right. Let's get it out of the way because it was <laughs> six, 60 years ago this year. Oh, yes. And, yeah. and um, I think they were second in Division 2 behind yeah. Liverpool. Hmm. Uh, and we went, to, we went down there and lost 6-1. <laughs> Definitely not hope for a piece on Sunday. <laughs> exactly. I mean, this isn't. I'm just looking. Actually, 1980, we got beaten five-one in the top flight as well. Actually, um, which which it's might be our heaviest. Good omens here, are there? 
Yeah, I'm really, I'm really um, putting in a, a positive spin here, aren't I, on things. Um... <laughs> the one I remember is the 3-0 there when uh, Peter Walton, who is obviously quite popular, quite regularly on the BT Sport one, managed to give a penalty where for one that was like five yards outside the area or something, pretty much, and then <laughs> sent off Tariko for like protesting too much. <laughs> Lovely. One of the worst yeah, we... decisions ever. It was literally like his linesman was right there as well. And between them, they missed the fact that it was even... It was like a lot further outside the area than Saints' imaginary penalty in the last game as well. So was this at um, St Mary's? Yeah, it was the first season in the Championship, first Amex season. We lost three 0 mm. there, and then won three 0 at home when um, when I think Ricky Lambert got sent off for them, and then we won three 0 Yeah, we've had happier times, of course. Uh, Gus Poet's first game in charge was a, a handsome win on his birthday, I think, as well in his first game for us. I missed that. I was <laughs> ill that game. Really annoyed. Oh. I missed that. Yeah, that was a cracking day. It was live on TV as well, so all the better. Um, for an evening match there. Um, the head-to-head record, we've won 20. There's been 18 draws, but they've had the edge on us. They've, they've won 36. So we could do with redressing the balance in that regard as well. Obviously, the game earlier this season ended in a 2-1 defeat at the Amex. Um, that was a pretty frustrating game, actually. It was one of those games where the second half, we didn't really adapt our tactics well enough. And It was very um, like Leicester in a lot of ways, except for their second goal was a, should never have stood or should never have been a penalty. But yeah, yeah, there was that too. Yeah, it's one of the many games. For the first half, scored, and then let them get back in with an unmarked player at a corner, and then yeah, kind of they 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 got on top second half, and yeah, it's one of the many games where we um we we can feel hard done by there because yeah. I, I don't think that was a pen. I know Nick Shapanik who listens to this. Uh, he um he said that he came on the show actually I think just after that game, and he he thought it was a pen. Interestingly, as well, I think I think I'm re- remembering the correct incident. Um, which is interesting because um, I, I didn't think so. We didn't actually debate that that much at the time. But um, anyway, either way round, let's hope for some better luck in this one. Um, we said on the previous episode already, our predictions are both one all. I don't know, Ken, are, are you feeling more or even less hopeful than a one all draw for us? How do you think it's going to go? Well, on form, um, if you look at the last five matches, I mean, Southampton have um, only lost... One surprisingly uh, surprising match. I think the others weren't surprises. They lost three 0 against Leeds, mm. and I thought that was a bit surprising. But otherwise, um, you know, they've got they've got four points out of the last five matches. How many points have Albion got? Four. No, five two. matches. Two. Two. One, yeah. two. Two. Yeah. yeah. And um, uh, so I don't know. I think it's. I think a draw would be a, a, a point would be a good result. Hmm. Yeah, I think so. I hope I think for that's... three. I hope for three, but a draw would be a good result. I think. Yeah, given that Fulham have got City, and while we don't want to preempt anything, it's likely they'll lose that game. Still, hopefully, there's no sudden surprises there. So a draw may may suit us, and again, depends on Newcastle as well. Things are getting quite tight. Um, in terms of Southampton, though, of course, Ings is out for three weeks. Um, mm. They've got um, Che Adams has come in, who I think is a good player, actually. He's got a bit of pace, a bit of robustness, a bit of physicality. And um, I think it was Dean Hammond on Albion Unlimited this week was talking, who, of course, has played for both clubs, has a, an interest in both. Um, I think he was saying that Adams tends to get goals in spurts. Um, and he took his goal. <laughs> in fact, both goals were taken really well. And Paul Prowse from the penalty spot and then Adams with the second um, the other day when they beat Sheffield United and he, he absolutely cracked it in 
Um, I didn't see who the scorers were for them actually on I think, no, it was Wednesday. Wasn't there last night? I think Wolf yeah. Was yeah. So you know, a little bit of a worry there. They've got Tello um, back involved. He looks quite pacey, quite lively up front. A young lad. Walker it, Peters is back. Adams last night. Walker Walk, Prowse and Adams again last night. All oh, right, same scorers. We've got to put a stop to that. Um, and yeah, Walker Peters is back in as well. I mean, they will miss Ings. He made the difference, I think, in, as well as the penalty decision in that game between the sides earlier this season. He is a bit of a thorn in our side. We have seen that taking thorns out of our side, out of the equation, hasn't necessarily helped the season. Wilfred Zaha or anyone. Um, but I think it's going to be a game where we could really, really do with the early goal. And I think... Maybe in contrast to the Leicester game, it might help us a bit more if we get the early goal in this one. Yeah, I think the other big issue, obviously, is with Ward-Prowse in the team and with Bednarek and Vestergaard both being big. Mm. Obviously, our, our defending of set pieces, that's going to be yeah. important because obviously we had another disaster from a corner the other day. And we've, we've obviously discussed, you know, obviously Sanchez made a big error, but also our marking at, the, at that corner was pretty terrible as well. If we leave Vestergaard or, or Bednarek unmarked and with Ward Prowse yeah. around, then we're going to be in trouble. Yeah. yeah, conceding free kicks on the edge of the area, Ken, is going to be another thing to avoid on the Ward Prowse um, side of things, isn't it? Or anywhere near oh, yes. the area. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so just finally to round off then. So um, you, one thing you mentioned to me off air in a previous conversation, Ken, was about, um, again, this is tying in with Roger. Um, you're, you're in a group I believe where you're talking about um you'll do a follow a model of how the, the scores are going tell us about that a little bit and this is probably not very cheery either actually when, when it comes it, to the detail. it's not very cheery at the moment go, go ahead but, um, yeah. Roger and I sat down and had lunch uh, when we first got promoted and um said we ought to devise a system that we can take the um difficulty of matches into account as we go along particularly earlier in the season when there's likely to be um, a difference in the difficulty of matches between, between sides. So we have what we call our relegation survival league. And we started at the beginning of the season and it's the bottom 10, the bottom oh, 10 clubs. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah. The, bottom, <laughs> the bottom expected 10 clubs that yeah. we keep our, our survival league. And um, basically, you, you, you don't expect as many points from the top six or the next six, but obviously more from the bottom bottom ten. Normally, that is. I mean, we're not <laughs> in normal times, are we? And um, uh, so we keep that up to date, and, and it's actually not looking very good at the moment. I mean, obviously, we're on the same Premier League points as um, as Fulham, uh, but the gap the gap in our performance is very small now with Fulham compared with, say, Newcastle, who are actually doing a lot better, despite what you might think of their recent form. Their recent form, taking into account the difficulty of matches. It's not bad at all. It's it's well above what you'd expect. And that's without get, Wilson in the team. Mm. Yeah. So their last, their last. Um, we we would expect, according to our formula, Newcastle to have got four points in the last five matches, and they've got five points. Whereas we would be expected to get seven points, and we've only got two. 
But then the, I suppose the weird thing is almost, yeah, that sort of thing goes out the window when we're getting more points against the top half than the bottom half, bizarrely. I mean, it does. very odd. In that it sense. does. It's not just away. It's all up. We've actually got a lot more points against the top 10 than the, than the other the bottom 10. Yeah, but there is an interesting fact there about Newcastle. Um, when we were researching this to start it up, look at what, what how, how difficult it was to get points against the tops top teams and stay in the division. Newcastle, when they, I think it was when they last went down, they got 17 points from the top six in that season and still went down. Wow. That's very interesting. Yeah. Which says, says something about the, the, the need to scrap your way against the teams around you, doesn't it? And to uh, eke out enough points. Mm. Indeed um, it does. And we're, we're the bottom of the form table. At the moment, yeah. Yeah. Uh, whereas Newcastle are, are, are not doing too badly, as I said. It's um, funny, it shows you how, in a way, certain results can turn things around. You know, results that looked okay before round because the two draws against Burnley and Burnley and Villa had originally kind of originally part of an unbeaten run of six, but now those same two results are part of a not winning in five. So it's yes. like you can turn those two results around depending on. Having not yeah. won since then, you know, it kind of obviously extends to it. But actually, at the time, they were they were seen as not too bad points, and especially Burnley, having been you know a bit knackered, I think after after what after, after beating Liverpool midweek, and actually yeah. it was like part of an unbeaten run of six games. And you know, it's kind of it's that is, I suppose, how easily it can turn around. So at that point, we were pretty much we were top four mm. in the, t- the form table. Yeah, at that point. there's no way yeah. of looking at this that is um, what shall I say encouraging at the moment. Um, and no way that's right, no way of looking at it that's right, except the Premier League table and the points that we have and the position we're in. At the end of the day, that's it. Uh, hmm. And we've got, we've got a way to go, I think. We, I think we've got a real fight on our hands now. Yeah, I mean, we've got a winnable game against Southampton, which we really need to capitalise on. And then we've got the Newcastle game. Of course, we did beat Newcastle earlier in the season. So to improve our ratio on your on your formula, can we've got to win that game, of course. Um, and it's a, the proverbial six pointer, of course, as well. Um, but that would be because we've had a good result against, and maybe that's one we can go into with a bit more psychological yes. confidence uh, behind us, maybe. Although we still yes. one at home, we still won one at home all season, and yeah, yeah. not as I much. feel like we. I think we're going to win that game actually, but I, I'm not sure with Saints. Um, I, I, I'll take what I think is going to happen now very happily, which would be a draw against Saints and a win against Newcastle. I really, really hope we can get that or more. Um, but um, anyway, the game is on Sunday lunchtime. We shall have a look. Um, just before we round off, one thing I wanted to, um, to mention is um, there's an initiative going on with my buddy Josh, who does the Together podcast. Um, he's got together with the club um, and sparked an initiative to do an event on Saturday the 20th of March. It's going to be called Together for Albion in the Community, or AITC. What it is, it's a 12-hour charity streaming event, which will be hosted on twitch.tv, uh, which you can look up at twitch.tv forward slash togetherbha. Um, it's a it's a 12-hour live streaming event from midday on the 20th of March. Um, essentially, it's going to be hosted by a collection of Josh, me, and several others. There's going to be a number of guests coming on. We've got Paul Barber coming on. Bruno's going to be on there. Um, members of um, of the Albion staff 
elsewhere within the uh, the building, so to speak, including Albion in the community um, staff as well. Um, we've got Kieran Maguire from The Price of Football, Andy Naylor, and various others coming on with some others possibly to be confirmed. So you can check that out. Um, you can also contribute if you want to. Um, you can go to the Just Giving page. I'm going to be tweeting out um, some information about that. And we'll probably put something in the episode notes for this episode as well. So if you're listening to this, you can look at your episode notes and find information there. Um, the event is on Saturday week, as we speak, and we'll be advertising it in a bit more detail after the um, Southampton game in our next review episode. So stay tuned for that. But if you can donate, it'll be fantastic. If you can just listen in, that'll be fantastic as well. So please do so. Um, if you want to contact this show, as always, remember you can tweet us at Brighton Rock Pod. You can email us brightonrockpodcast at gmail.com. And in the meantime, it is um, really just left to us to say thank you very much for joining us, Ken. It's been a pleasure having you on and hearing your story. You're welcome. Thank you very much for having me on. And just a message in these yeah. times when, when they're going to be difficult. Be disappointed if we get relegated, but don't be distraught. There are more important things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I can concur. Great. So thank you to you, Ken. And Peter, we'll part in the usual way by saying stand or fall. Up the Albion. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.